Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will show us how that when we choose to sin, we're choosing to divide ourselves from God and His people. All of our messages are available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from this week's messages. She's encouraging others. Go reach these people. She's training others. She's encouraging others. She's trying to get. And so what do we do? We encourage others. Go reach the lost. We train others. Go reach the lost. We send out others just like Miss Wisdom does. Where each person has to choose either light or darkness. There's no darkness where God lives. There's no light where the devil lives. But on earth, there is, and it's separated. So you can see clearly the difference. So that God can see which individuals are going to choose Miss Wisdom and which individuals are going to choose Miss Foolish Woman. Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our study in the book of Genesis this week. Now what have we just created? What has God just created here? He's created a contrast. He's created a separation. And, and that this valley down the middle. And so all the Israelites, they're kind of looking down there. They're like, getting it. Oh, I got it. So if I walk down that valley, I got to decide I'm going this side or that side. I'm going to, I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to follow God. And you, you look at that. And when you yell out, you say, okay, now, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, an idol, making an idol or not making an idol. And you got it. I can make an idol, make an idol. I cannot make an idol. Mock your father. Right side, you, you represent resisting that. Or, and, and, and the left side, you represent, you represent doing that. Re- removing the landmark. You, one side represents doing it. The other side represents resisting it. And the Levites say, cursed is the one who does that every time. Making the blind to wander out of the way. And one side represents rep- doing it. The other one represents resisting it. And the Levites cry out, cursed is the one who does that. And so forth. Taking advantage of the foreigner, the fatherless, the, the, the widow. And quite a large number of sexual sins, by the way. Verse 20, sleeping with the father's wife. One side represents re- doing it. The other resisting it. Levites yell out, cursed is the one who does it. Sexual perversion with animals. Verse 21, incest. Verse 22, sleeping with your mother-in-law. Verse 23, and one side represents doing it. The other represents resisting it. And the Levites yell out, cursed is the one who does that. Killing the neighbor, verse 24. Killing for hire for kill, in verse 25. Same thing. And not confirming all the words of God. That all the words of God, one side represents doing it, the other side represents resisting it. And the Levites again cry out, Cursed is the one that does that. Why did God do that? So it would be so crystal clear that there is a separation between light and darkness. And as you walk down the path of life, you have to decide. And you are being watched as you decide which side you really will choose in your heart. And based on that decision, it's so vitally important that you do that. Make the right decision. Why? Because God's watching. And he's watching for the individuals. And he's making a list. He's calling it the Lamb's Book of Life. And in that list, he's saying, okay, this one here, he has chosen to not make God mad, to make God happy, to take God seriously. Write him down. And his name's written down. And he goes through life. And he goes, okay, now that one there, he's chosen, blot him out. 
He's chosen the wrong way. Blot him out. Take his name out. And they blot him out up there in heaven. That's why God did it. That's why God did it. You know, think about it. Heaven, light, no darkness. Hell, darkness, no light. Earth, right in between heaven and hell. Light and darkness together. Right in between heaven and hell. Man put on the path, God watching to see which way is he going to choose. Is he choosing heaven's way? I did it God's way. Or is he choosing hell's way? I did it my way. Frank Sinatra song. I did it my way. Which one? God's very interested. He's writing it down. Now, that's why it says in Joshua 24, 15, the verse you're very familiar with, Turn to it. It's very interesting. Turn to it, please. Let's look at again at it in our, in our minds. It's a good thing to turn and look in these Bible verses. 2415. This is the last chapter of the book of Joshua. This is like Joshua saying on graduation day, I've trained you, I've taught you, I have showed you how to follow God. Now your graduation day has come. And so now, as he's giving the commencement um, message, he says in, in 24.15, Look, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, he said, don't do it. If it seems evil to you, don't knock yourself out. Don't do it, if that's the way it is. Choose you, choose you, individuals. Choose you, this day, whom you will serve. You want the gods on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites? You want the Egyptians? You want to go back to Egypt on whose land you dwell? It says, choose, because there is a separation between light and darkness, and you can choose. He said, as for me, this choice has been made. This is a fait accompli. He said, as for me and my house, we have chosen. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So coming back to our original question, why in Genesis 1, 2 through 4, did God, according to his tuvanato, according to his discretion, his understanding, why did he not choose to eliminate darkness on the earth? Because he could make earth. He'd already gone through, we believe, already had gone through, no, he had, he had already gone through a rebellion among his angelic hosts. A third of them had decided to take the wrong road. So now... He makes this place where there is light and darkness, earth, and puts man on it so that he can see. He can see who's going to choose God, and he can reward those individuals with God in heaven. And then he can see who's going to choose Satan, and then he can reward those individuals with Satan in hell. And that's why the Bible opens up with us with this great creation and these two options that, that man could enter into so he could see who's going to choose. And that's the, that's, the ent- that's the first chapter in the Bible. It's the first few verses in the Bible. And now turn to the last chapter in the Bible, which is Revelation 22. So here we go. We have the whole book now sandwiched by these two chapters. The first one we saw was the one there where he, he set up the situation. He set up the, the place where people would make a choice. And now when you come to Revelation twenty two eleven, what does it say? 
He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that's righteous, let him be righteous still. He that's holy, let him be holy still. Look at verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, may enter in through the gates in the city. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that is a thirst say, come. And let him that is a thirst, let him or her come. A thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him come. Take of the water of life freely. There we see what happened when he set up the choice. He set up the choice, and some chose filthiness, and some chose defilement, and some chose to come and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ out of the depth of bankruptcy of their own heart and realizing they couldn't do anything about it. And they said, help me, and God helped them. And when he saw that, then he could see who's choosing light, and who's choosing darkness. But you know, I don't want this to seem to you as though, as, though, as though it's so cold for those who choose light and God says, well, I'll just sit back here and see if they make it or not. Not that way at all. You take one step toward God, God takes a million steps to help you. And look at this in Psalm 97.11 where it says here, when you choose light, something wonderful happens. Psalm 97.11. See what it says? It says, you that, verse 10 says, You that love the Lord and hate evil, he preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. How? Verse 11, light is sown for the righteous. Thank God for that verse. And gladness for the upright in heart. You know, it was last Monday, light is sown for the righteous. He sows light for us as we go along. He says, here's a little light for you, a little light for you. I see you're having a hard time. Here's a little light for you. He sows it as we go along. So last Monday, I'd gone down to Ticati with a dear lost Jewish man. Spent eight hours doing everything I could think of to pull him out of darkness into the Lord Jesus Christ. And for eight hours, he resisted, resisted, resisted all day long. He kept telling me that, uh, that if I was happy, he was happy, and that he was happy. And that was it. And, you know, he was happy. He had wine and women and dancing and all these things. After eight hours, I felt so alone. And we were in the car together for a long time. And I was starting to lose my calm and composure, starting to break down a little bit. And after eight hours, I was just trying to pour this man out of the fire, get him into the ark. There just seemed like such a darkness in the car. And I began to think like Elijah thought. Remember Elijah had the syndrome, the Elijah syndrome, <laughs> which is I, even I, only, he tells to God, I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Now, this man, he may have been Jewish, but he was as foreign to me. He might as well have been an aborigine. I mean, we, there was no kinship. You know, it was just like, it was terrible. So frustrated, I just stopped talking. And it was kind of boiling, you know. And we came up to the secondary border control on Highway 94. A National Guardsman named Quintero, he said to me, he rolled the window down, what have you been doing? What, he says, where, where, are you, where are you coming from? I said, Takati. He says to me, what have you been doing at Takati? I was just frustrated and I felt so alone. I just said, well, I've been spending the whole day talking to this man about the Lord Jesus Christ and he's been listening, like I was saying. So what do you think about that, Officer Quintero? That's <laughs> just bad attitude. <laughs> kind of unloaded there a little bit. And this is something, Officer Quintero, he, he locked eyes with me. Sir, I'm not allowed to speak to you about that, he said. And kind of bit his tongue a little bit. Then he says, but I will tell you this. 
I am your brother in Christ. <laughs> I thought, oh, what was that? <laughs> that was light sown. That was light sown. God said, all right, straighten up, soldier. <laughs> he was saying, here, you're kind of dropping you a little bit. You're not alone. You're not alone. So you may be right there, right there. I have never had a guard, anyone say, say that to me before. Say, I'm your brother. I could have jumped out of the car and hugged him. Says, you're my long lost brother. Where have you been? <laughs> I didn't know I had a Mexican brother named Contreras. But anyway, but, um, but that's what God does. He sows light for us as we move along the path of choosing light and resisting darkness because he is for us. That's the key. He is for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you created this earth the way you did with light and darkness and you made a separation for it and then all along the way you help us by saying choose light, resist darkness. And then, Lord, you not only do that but you sow more light for us as we move along with you. We could not do this without you and we pray that you would help us to continue to walk in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, that was a great message today. Let's talk about separation. What does it mean to be separated from the world, and why does God call for us to be separated? You know, this is a very important issue of separation for the believer. And many people believe that what separation means is isolation. You know, God never called for his people to be isolated from the world. He called for them to be insulated from the world. And we have to explain those terms from the Bible. He said in in 2 Corinthians 6.17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So here we can ask the question, not only what does it mean to be separated, but why does God call for us to be separated? Well, he's saying here that the issue here is the unclean, the unclean thing. In other words, it's the practices of the world. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, it's the defiling things that are in the world that God says, I don't want you to touch those. I don't want you to become unclean. And why? Because he wants to receive us. He says, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It's a matter of whether or not the thing interferes with our fellowship with God, with our friendship with God. What is paramount for us, what is paramount for God, is that we maintain our friendship with God. Whatever violates or threatens that friendship with God is a problem that has to be dealt with. When it is the uncleanness, the the, the swearing, the pornography, the the uh, the laughing at the the jokes about hell and all these other kind of practices of the world those are unclean things and God says don't touch those unclean things because I want to receive you I want to have you in that position of us being friends and that will harm our friendship together so that's when he says be separate. But it's very important to really delineate what God means and the difference between between being isolated from and insulated from. 
It's very important to note that in the tabernacle, there was no floor in the tabernacle. There, was the, there were the walls, there was the ceiling, but God never had, which he could have had, a floor. And when the priests went into the tabernacle, their feet were on the ground. And that's a picture for us as believers. Our feet are on the ground. We are very much in the world like the priests were on the ground inside the tabernacle, but they were not, they were not isolated from the world. They were insulated from its practices. And Tom, you spoke a lot about the world. We understand that the world as an earth, but really tell us, what does the Bible mean about the term world? Yeah, that's right. When the when God uses the term, when the Bible uses the term world, it's not referring to planet Earth. It's really referring to a system, a world system. James four four tells us what the problem is with this world system when he addresses ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You know, the whole focus of our times together is friendship with God. And the opposite of friendship with God is what the Bible is calling here the enemy of God, being an enemy of God or enmity with God. And he says that, you know, whereas the world can feel comfortable and laugh with adulterers and adulteresses, God says that's part of the world system, and that world system is at war with me. It's at enmity with me. And so, therefore, he says, you have to make a choice. Either you're going to be friendship with God or friendship with the world. And if you are at friendship with the world, then you are, by definition, an enemy of God. And on the other hand, if you are going to have friendship with God, you're going to be an enemy with the world. So it's very important for us to understand what is the world. Well, in 1 John 2.16, it describes to us what is the world. And when it says, for all that is in the world, or you could say all that's a part of the world system, and then it delineates three parts, the lust of the flesh— The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So when we talk about the world system, we are talking about the lust of the flesh. What makes me feel good? When I set above all else the enjoyments of my body, otherwise known as the lust of the flesh, that is of the world. That's not of God. When I set the lust of the eyes, oh, I will see anything and watch anything and I will withhold nothing from my eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. That's that's not of God. That's of the world. When I say the pride of life, look at me, as it says in Revelation 3.17, I am rich, I am increased with goods, I have need of nothing. All that I, I, I is pride, and it's called the pride of life. I'm proud of myself and what I have accomplished. God says that is not of God, that is of the world. And he says that therefore we are to be separate 
from that. That is to be our enemy. That type of spirit, that type of attitude is of the world. It's not of God. God, as far as the person who walks with God, he will deny the pleasures of flesh in order to not offend God. As far as the person who walks with God, he will say, I have set no evil thing before my eyes. And he will deny what his eyes may want to look at, the lust of the eyes. As far as the person who wants to walk with God, he is humble, he is meek, but he is not the proud person because God says that he resists the proud. And that means that God will put his hand firmly in the chest of the person who wants to come to God if that person says, I am proud, I am rich and have need of nothing. And God says, you will not find me. So these are the things that are in the world, and these are the things that are the enemy with God. And Tom, you spoke about what separation is and what the world is, but how are we to separate from the world? Yes, and here it's very, very important to know that God does want us to separate from the world, and he has a specific how-to separate from the world. That's found in John 17 in the great prayer of the Lord, high priestly prayer there, where he comes to his father at the end of his ministry. And part of what he prays for, many subjects he covers during that time, but part of what he prays for is what he calls them that are in the world. In other words, his own. And he says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world. In other words, although we may say, I want to leave this life, I've had it, I'm fed up, just take me home. But God doesn't have it that way. And he says, I do not pray that thou shouldst take them out of the world. We've been sent into enemy territories. We work behind enemy lines. That's where God has us. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world. But he says, but he is praying, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. In other words, God is able to put around us a holy Uh, bulletproof vest. He's able to clothe us in a holy bulletproof vest. He's able to put uh, on us the Lord Jesus Christ so that we are not defiled by the world, even though we're in the world. He was among sinners. He died among thieves. But the Bible says in Hebrews that he was holy, harmless, separate from sinners, and he was kept from the evil. And in the same way, he says, he prays that we would be kept from the evil. He prayed to the Father, they are not of the world. They did not come from the world. They did not originate from the world. They are foreign to the world, was what he meant by those words. The words, they are not of the world. And then he said, he is, even as I am not in the world, but he lived in the world. He ate the same food as the world. He breathed the same air as the world. He walked on the same roads as the world walked on, but he was not part of that world system. And that's what he meant when he said, I I am not of this world, and they are not of the world. And so then he said, sanctify them through thy truth. In other words, he prayed, 
when the Bible, when they read the Bible and they sit down in their, in their devotion times, make that to be, Father, the holy labor, like in the Mishkan, like in the temple that cleansed the, the priests. Let the Bible clean them. He says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Sanctify them through thy truth. Why are we cleansed by the word of God? Because he prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he said, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is not only a a revealing word to it, it is a cleansing word to us. And then he said, as thou hast sent me, into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. In other words, once we are kept from the evil that is in the world, once we are sanctified from the dirt and the filth that's in the world by the word of God, then we are ready to be sent into the world. And that's why we work behind enemy lines, because God has called us, he has sent us, and he has provided everything we need so that we can also So with him, return at the end of our lives and say, we finished the work you gave us to do as he did. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy our Monday through Wednesday study from the book of Genesis. And join us again tomorrow as we start our Thursday through Friday series this month on the tabernacle. Today's message and previous messages are available for free listening and free download from our website, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also visit israelrestoration.org and learn more about Tom Cantor and study more of the friendship of God through the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our tools and resources that we have available on these websites. We'd also like to hear more from you about what you like about Friendship with God. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. You can also contact us to send a gospel gift of Tom Cantor's testimony DVD or booklet to a lost Jewish person that you know. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051 and send them a gospel gift as the Lord Jesus Christ commanded us to go to the Jew first. You can also find Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor on Facebook and receive a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor. You can also email Tom Cantor by sending an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.com. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow at this same time.